you're listening to The Maniculum, pointing the finger at the Middle Ages. We bring you the choicest medieval nonsense, discuss and evaluate it, then pillage it for our own geeky purposes. This is part two of The Wonders of the East. We are picking up right where part one left off, in the middle of the same recording. So I would advise listening to part one first. But if you don't want to, whatever. I'm not your mom. You do you. Near the Brixen River, there are men born who are 50 feet tall. Whoa! And they have white bodies and two noses on one head, but their knees are very red. Their nose is long and their hair black. Here is a Knowles version of this, by the way. What? That is bizarre. When they wish to give birth, they travel on ships to India and there bring their kin into the world. Why? Sounds like too much trouble. That's just what they do. Fair enough. Also, notice that Knowles is like maybe wearing clothes, maybe not. It's not really clear. Whereas Tiberius's is, is very definitely naked. We gotta show <laughs> the butt. We gotta show the butt. <laughs> Always the booty. That's I also bizarre. like that both of these people or the illustrations they're working from possibly decided that Two noses obviously means two faces. That is yeah. not how I interpreted that at all. No. Well, they're all, they also both have horns. That's not. There's no justification for it in the text. It doesn't say they also have four eyes and two mouths. Yeah, that's true. That would have been a kind of bigger thing. Also, what's with the drinking horns? They both have drinking horns, which I think is fascinating. I'm going to assume that was like a creative decision that whoever did the illustrations that these are originally based on made, and it just stuck. Yeah. The face on the left looks a little bit like Ted Cruz. Oh my god, it does. And that is oh my unfortunate god, that is absolutely for, Ted for Cruz. this uh, two-headed, two-faced man. Yes. I guess we can conclusively say that he is not the Zodiac Killer, given that we have evidence that goes much further than that. <laughs> he used to live on the back of a giant's head like Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> it's much darker. Oh, no. Oh, dear. I can't unsee it. <laughs> Neither can I. And That's really I'm going to move on from the giant Ted yes, Cruz. Oh, no. Also, he's on the butt side. <laughs> <laughs> there is a land in Gaul called Caconia, or possibly Sisonia, or possibly Lyconia, because it varies manuscript to manuscript. There, men are born in three colors. Not like there are three different colors of people, but each person there is three colors. Oh, okay. Their heads are maned like those of lions. They are 20 feet tall, and they have a mouth as great as a winnowing fan. They really buried the lead on that one. <laughs> oh, yes, they're in three colors. Also, lion head. <laughs> Giants. Giants. There's still more important stuff about them. Oh, no. If they perceive any human in their land... Or if any person is following them, what do you think they okay, do? I want to give you a, t- a chance to guess this. What, Barry says kill them. Kill them. They probably like roar at them or their mouth like unhinges like a snake and they swallow them whole. I don't know. It's got to be something like more intense than just killing them because I don't think he would have asked if it wasn't. <laughs> right. Well, no, what they do is they flee far away and they sweat blood. Ooh. <laughs> Honestly, same. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Me after COVID coming out of quarantine. (laughs) Just sweating. (laughs) No. 
fleeing. I like that image. There's like this giant lion-headed thing, but if you get too close, not only will it run away, but as it does, it'll sweat blood. That's a terrifying <laughs> defense mechanism, to be fair. It does look so gentle in the picture, though. Yes. Oh my gosh. And we have one more sentence about them. These are thought to be people. But no, we're not sure. I guess as in, like, since they run away, we can't be sure, but we're pretty sure they're like human intelligence. Yeah. That makes 20 sense. feet tall, lion heads. They're probably people, though. It's very inclusive. It's an inclusive way to think about it. Yeah. They do seem very vague about, like, who's people and who's not. Right. Okay, but they were pretty vague about who was people and who's not throughout the entirety of the Middle Ages. I mean, yeah. were witches people? Were Jews people? Like, th th those things were all in question. One of the other Fair. travel literatures, I think it's John Mandeville, seems to very clearly come down on the Jews are not people side. Right? Woof. So this, this is actually an incredibly inclusive text. Yeah. That's true. Everybody can be a people. Yeah. Except those chickens. Yeah, those chickens <laughs> and snakes don't count. Beyond the river Brixen, east from there, are people. Born great and tall. They have feet and shanks 12 feet long, and chests 7 feet long. They are named Hosties. H-O-S-T-E-S. Oh, that's Latin for enemy. It is, because certainly any man they catch, they devour. Ooh, so they're cannibals as well. Yes. And here is a picture from Noel. This is Attack on Titan. <laughs> oh no! They're just big people that eat other people. Yeah. I and guess here's so. Tiberius's version, which has them actually eating a person in the picture. Oh my gosh. He's I can just hear this person going, no! <laughs> Why does he have like fur going down his back? I don't, again, a lot of the, like, creative flourishes in these were probably in an earlier version, and they're just copying them. So there's no that's, way to know what's original to the illustrator and what isn't. That's fascinating. Especially because the lion guy looks so gentle, and then you, like, go yeah. an illustration over, and there's well, this guy who guy. looks human, but he's eating you. Yes. You know, if I lived during this period and saw one of these things, I would definitely never, never ever travel outside my village. No, if I just read this somewhere, heard someone telling a story about this, I'd be like, well, that's it. I'm never going anywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, right? I will not explore. Yes. I'm good right here. My Hamlet's great. I will be an apprentice. I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Honestly, being an apprentice does sound pretty nice. In, that, in a medieval Hamlet, like I'd do that. Yeah, like blacksmithing. <laughs> that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. Hard work, yeah. but fun. I would be bad at it. What about baking? Not good at baking either. No? Good at cooking. Not good at baking. That's fair. I think I would die if I had to be a seamstress or sew or use a shuttle. I would I would love that I actually. Oh no. I would probably be like the old crone that just does the perpetual stew pot, you know? Yes. I'd be on board with being like a tailor's apprentice. That sounds nice. There you go. Yeah. I'd cut my hair short and be a be a blacksmith apprentice. I probably wouldn't be allowed to. I'd probably be killed at some point or married off, but... <laughs> if you could get away with it. If I could get away with it. Which was apparently more common than people think. True. Yeah. This is true. Like, judging by the number of historical accounts of that being done successfully, we have to assume there are a lot more that just weren't written down. That's true. That's yeah. true. Okay, so we've gotten through the cannibals. Yes. The tall cannibals. Mm-hmm. Yes. The titans. Then, along yes. the Brixen, are wild beasts... 
They are called Lurtices. They have the ears of asses and the wool of sheep and the feet of birds. And here is a picture of one between a person and possibly a monkey. I'm not sure what that is. Future Mac here. The other figure in the drawing, which I was confused about, is, according to Simon Thompson's article, another hosties. The reason it's depicted twice is, again, according to Simon Thompson, because there are actually two artists involved in illustrating the Knoll Codex, and they both drew one. So there you go. So many... I feel like, at this point... (laughs) The guy's face! He looks like... What's the guy from the show? Like, Nigellus or something? He's got like a really... Thornberry? Yes! He's got the long nose and the eye. He looks like Nigel Thornberry. He also looks like Coraline's dad. Ooh, he does. Coraline. I think it kind of looks like he was drawn by Picasso since his eye has been rotated 90 degrees. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so this is very close to a griffin. Yeah. Which is recognizable. We know what griffins are. Yeah. He's just missing the wings. The illustration kind of looks like a cocker spaniel to me. That's true. Doesn't it? (laughs) Uh, here is uh, Tiberius's picture of the Lurtices, by the way. Oh, so cute. So cute. Yeah, which I think is actually more accurate because it really does look like it has the ears of yeah. asses and the wool of sheep and the feet of birds. Yeah. The bird, the feet of birds is throwing me off a little bit. Yeah, it's a little suspect. Yeah. But very cute. Yes. There is another island south from the Brixen. On that island, men are born without heads. Hate that. They have their eyes and mouth on their chests. I know these guys. Yeah, the Blimie. Yes. They are in a lot of these texts. They don't get a name here, but we, we know that's what they are. They are eight feet tall and eight feet broad, and here is a picture of one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just square boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. An absolute unit. How much would it suck having your nose so close to your armpits? Ooh, I didn't think about that. What about clothing? That would be weird. That'd be hard to make clothing. I think he's wearing a skirt. The original killed. Honestly, makes sense. You don't have time to think about your clothes when you look square. Which is, of course, the decision made by Tiberius, because here's his version. Oh my. (laughs) This one has no decorative fig leaves. (sighs) Or does he? Because it looks like something's been scraped out. It looks like he just has hair. Yeah. It's pubes and no genitals. <laughs> oh, gosh. Also, because of the ink transfer, he's got the skin of a cow. He's yeah. all white and black blotchy. This is true. Oh, man. It's very cool how he's sort of holding the frame. Yes. Yeah. Sort of breaking the fourth wall there. That's one of the things that Mittman brings up a lot when he talks about this art. And yeah. this is actually on, this picture is on the cover of a book about monsters by a guy named Orchard. Because it's, the fact that he's like breaking out of the frame is considered very symbolic. Is it Andy Orchard? Andy Orchard, oh, that's the guy. I love this stuff. It makes me think of Scott McCloud, who writes about comic books and wrote Understanding mm-hmm. Comics, talks about how a lot of comic book scholars sort of like see comics coming out of medieval art. Mm. Hmm. I can see that. And this seems very indicative of that because we almost have like a panel and it's playing with 
the panel is like a confines for a, a story almost. I don't know. It's interesting. We, we do see a lot of independent stories that might have a, basically a panel on one page that is then transferred mm-hmm. and we see something else happening that follows on the next page. And so that yeah. kind of crossover does happen. And so does the breaking of the frame. That is very indicative of a lot of medieval art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the Renaissance almost reversed that a little bit as things became more formalized into what we consider, quote unquote, art. And so we had to rediscover that in a way. Yeah, You can also kind of see it just in these two manuscripts because Tiberius always puts his guys in boxes, but Noel Mm -hmm. will like maybe put a little border around them, but sometimes they're just running wild on the page. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also... Just in case anyone, any of our listeners are getting confused, Tiberius and Noel are not the names of the scribes. We don't have the names of the scribes. Those are the names of the manuscripts. Yes. Okay. Next step. Dragons are born. Oof. <laughs> I knew Brazil was going to make that face. That are 150 feet in length. Yes. They are as large as great stone pillars, which is not indicative at all. <laughs> no, it's really not. <laughs> But a fun side note is the word used in the Old English is swear, S-W-E-R, which Bosworth Toller says can either be pillar or mother-in-law. <laughs> I feel like there's a great idiom for that. <laughs> Probably. I also like that these are very clearly oriental dragons somehow. Yeah. Like not only are they wingless, but they have those beards. Yes, they do. Because of the multitude of dragons, no person may easily travel in that land. This goes with our Oriental text that we did, because there were yes. there were dragons popping up all over the place. Yeah, and sometimes they were dragon dragons, and sometimes they were naga, and sometimes they were just like scaly sea monsters of some kind. Oh man, we should go back to that at some point. I really enjoyed That's that. That's a text. great text. But these are great dragons. Yeah, and here's Tiberius's version. Also great. I'm loving the Celtic knot motif here. Yeah. yeah, I think it's cool. They don't have beards in this one, though. No, but they've got, like, one of them's got some hair. Yeah, or, like, spines. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like gnolls look more like dragons, and these just look like snakes. Yeah. That's fair. This picture with the knot does make me wonder about the possibility of, like, a giant rat king of dragons. Ooh. And that concerns me. Ooh. That's a terrifying idea. <laughs> Just gonna write that down. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so for anyone who doesn't know what a rat king is, Mary, please do oh my explain. Gosh. Oh my gosh. A rat king. Like, we're not talking is... the nutcracker here. No, it is a phenomenon. Although where I'm sure there's an inspiration there. Rats can get so tangled up, their tails can get so tangled up, they're just a ball of rats. <laughs> just a ball of a bunch of rats. My experience with this, I had no clue what a rat king was. And then I ran an RPG called The Secrets of Cats, (laughs) where everyone (laughs) plays a magic cat that must protect humans who are stupid and don't know anything about magic. Of course. Was this RPG being played in by people we know? Yes. Was Jenny the one who brought up Rat Kings? She wasn't. I don't think Jenny... Did Jenny play in this game? She might have. They were really... Everyone was really concerned because I drew a map that I was really proud of, and they said that a lake looked like a dick. Ugh, players. So we kind of got hung up on that for a while. Always players. Why do they always do this? 
I just wanted to check, because Rat King sounds like the sort of thing Jenny would drop into conversation. The big bad of that session was a Rat King. And I started describing it, and everyone's like, oh no, this is bad. This is bad. You know, like, our fun game about kittens now has this gross thing in it. Ooh. No, Rat Kings are terrifying. Ah, but imagine if they were dragons. That's even more terrifying. (laughs) Yes. Also, a side note for anyone who's uh, yelling at their speakers right now. Rat Kings are one of those things that is, like, questionably real. Yes. Yes. Like, there's very little material evidence that this is a thing that happens. It almost feels like an urban Mm -hmm. legend. Mm -hmm. Like a a myth. Because it sounds maybe plausible. Right. Right? But there's not really any proof. Yeah. Like, there are, I think, a couple in formaldehyde, but it's unclear whether those are naturally occurring or someone did that. Yeah. Which, like, given the history of freak shows Mm -hmm. and oddities exhibits, they're probably fake. Probably. But it's still very creepy in a good way. Yeah. Yes. And free to use in D&D, so. Yes. There you go. Or the cat RPG. (laughs) Also true. All right, what is next after our dragons, our multitude of dragons? Distance away from that place is another kingdom on the south side of the sea. Interestingly, here the word used for sea is garsech, which means spearmen, which for reasons unknown is understood to be sea. I think it's a kinning that we don't remember how it works anymore. Mm, Makes sense. Because we see that same idiom in Beowulf, too, is that the sea is the... The Spearman. Why? I don't know. It just is. Anyway, another kingdom on the south side of the sea where homodubii are born. That is, doubtful people. This is clearly an instance, I think, of a scribe getting confused at some point. Right. Because even though this mistake is in both manuscripts, I think it just means that there was a mistake made further back. Mm -hmm. Because someone pushed a sentence from a previous page here. Yeah. Mm Because what he's about to describe have a name. They're Onocentaurs, not homodubii. Onocentaurs. Yes. They are shaped like men to the navel, and are afterwards shaped like asses. Okay. There you go. So why the Ono? Why not just centaurs? Ono is donkey. Ah, okay, yes. That checks out. I truly, I feel like the copyist at this point was like, I give up. Like, this is just a really terrible... This is a horrific yeah, I, I like drawing. that, like, he, he didn't do the standard centaur thing where, like, the human torso is coming out of the horse's neck. He just no. drew a human from the front and then a, a donkey from the side and Wildly just put them on top of each other. Yes. I feel like he started part of it and realized he didn't have enough space. That could yeah. be it. This, oh. So I gotta move him down. I guess I'll just put him in the middle. That's bizarre. The next guy, though. Yeah, he looks yeah. downright dignified. Yeah. He does. Like, look at that hair, man. That's a fresh cut. He looks like he's declaiming poetry. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And what dainty legs. Yeah, he does have, like, moose legs right there. That is also in the text, because they have long shanks like birds. Okay. I I think just in the fact that they're skinny, not in their shape like birds, like, you see how, like, the top has, like, that muscle Mm -hmm. thing, and then below it's very thin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they have voices that... Again, it could be mild, kind, gentle, or soft. Oh, so some nice centaurs here. Yes. Yeah. And if they see or perceive any person in that country, they flee far away. <sighs> Makes sense. Like our lion-headed friends. But do they friends. sweat blood? Does not say they sweat blood. Good to know. 
There is another place where there are barbarous men. They have 110 kings under them. They are the worst people and the most barbarous. There are two lakes, one of the sun and the other of the moon. And here's how Noel thinks lakes look. Very stylized. Uh, That's definitely not a lake. Truly, this looks like the Wheel of Time logo. It does. I was going to say it sort of looks like how (laughs) angels are depicted in Revelation. Yeah, he basically just drew fancy wheels. Yes. This is a lake, right? The one which is of the sun is hot by day and cold by night. And the one which is of the moon is hot by night and cold by day. And also here's Tiberius's picture of them. I do not like that picture. No, no it's distressing. <laughs> it's, that is uh, very uh, phallic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the Susian style has made it phallic. There is no need for that little hill. No, and for anyone who is not looking at these as we're going through them, they, they will be on the blog, but if you're not looking at these images as you're going through them, it really is phallic. We are not exaggerating here. It's just, it's bad. Yeah. Also, if you're not looking at the pictures, you're doing yourself a disservice because very true. The pictures are really adding. Delightful. Well, they might be listening while driving or something. True. In which case, we don't encourage switching. No, to... do not look while you're driving. But when you get to your destination, yeah, have, take have a, a good pic. laugh over these. These are all, by the way, screenshots of the manuscripts that have been like digitized by the museums that hold woop, them. Woop, love digitization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if these manuscripts are public domain in Britain, but by American law, I'm pretty sure they are. Anyway, in this place, there's a type of tree, which is like the laurel and olive trees. From that tree is born balsam, the most precious of oils. And here is, this indicates to me that some of the Susian aesthetic came from the person both of these guys are working from. Because Noel's tree is now very Susian. Yes. I love the colors. Yeah. yeah. And here's Tiberius's, which is not as impressive, honestly. I like Noel's version of this better. Mm-hmm. They're both so nice, though. Like, the leaves are yeah. so delicate. And uh, here's one of our more confusing bits. There is a certain island in the Red Sea where there is a type of people who are named Donestra among us. They grow like soothsayers from the head to the navel, and the other half is like a human. Like, wait, whoa. Yeah. There's a lot there. There's Soothsayer? a lot to unpack. Yes. I looked this up. Or rather, I I went into Mittman's work, Inconceivable Beasts, which is about this text. And here is how he tries to explain this. It is unclear to us how a soothsayer ought to appear, or why this soothsayerness seems to be included as a non-human element in the text. Right. The very term at play for soothsayer, however, bears scrutiny. It has generally been transcribed and interpreted as friteras, F-R-I-T-E-R-A-S. And sometimes there's an H between the I and the T. Mm-hmm. Friteras. Though it is written as frifteras, which is a possible scribal error. Right. A word which does not appear as such in the dictionary of the Old English corpus. The spelling could, of course, be a mistake on the part of the scribe of the manuscript, or a hapax legomenon referring to the unfamiliar creature illustrated in the manuscript. Here's Noel's unfamiliar creature, by the way. The illumination shows an odd creature whose appearance and relation to humans appears at first glance perhaps more anatin than carnivorous. Uh, that's A-N-A-T-I-N-E, i.e. duck-like for anyone who's trying to parse that one. Ah. Uh, and he does kind of have a duck bill. It, it does. He, I like the staff, which it looks like a foot, not a foot. It is a foot. It is a foot? Yeah, we're going to get to that. Oh, Uh-oh. no. No, no, no. No, I okay. I like my staff better, but okay. 
However, based on the content of the text and image, it seems as possible that the word might be an unknown derivation of fretan, meaning to consume, or fretol, meaning gluttonous, as a corruption of fritras. That and would so make now sense with the foot. Yes, so let's learn more about these people now. Oh, so they're more like cannibals. That is only the tip of the iceberg. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Anyway, the other half is like the body of a human, and they know human language. Apparently all of them, like all of the languages. Oh, wow. Wow. Because when they see people of foreign types, they name to him and his kin the names of men they know. And with false words, they entice him and seize him. And then after that, they eat all of him except the head. And then they sit and weep over the head. And wow. here's Tiberius showing all the phases of this. You talk to him, you eat him, and then you cry about it. I'm going to show off. For just a second. Yeah. Go ahead. A kitten who is coming <gasps> oh, in. Kitty. Coming in for dinner time. He's mad because he's eating. Oh, look at him. Look at him. <laughs> Beautiful. He does look like, like he's please, annoyed that you've interrupted his meal. Let me eat, Mom. What's his name? His name is Edward. Aw. He's a very big boy. Yes, indeed. He has to eat in here because he'll bully our other cat out of her food. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, so this is very, very odd. Isn't it? It is. It also sounds really familiar somehow. To what? I feel like, and this is entirely, I have no idea if this is true. It's just one of those, like, I feel like I heard this sometime of, like, a cannibalistic tribe that saved the head because that was significant of something it was like to honor them that makes sense for some reason i don't know i mean there's a lot of head saving both among the celts and uh, other like pacific island and amazonian peoples mm-hmm. right so that checks out i what's so interesting about this is that they speak names that the people know yeah. That's a very... And try to lure them in. Yeah. That reminded me of something in pop culture that I thought was where you were going. Oh. Well, it it well, it Wait reminded me. Well, hold on. Something's it reminded me of like Will of the Wisps and stuff in terms of like or um there's some not selkies, but some like mermaid myths where you might hear right. there's there's actually a lot of um I can't think of the the specific people, but there's some African tribes where they say, if you are inside the house and you hear your name called outside the house, you do not answer. Right. Because it could be a spirit drawing you away. Yep. What are are you thinking about, Max? How well do you remember the first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? You know what? And I hate to out myself like this. I have never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I have. Wait a minute. I've never seen it, and I feel like the time has passed for me. That's fair. Yeah, honestly. Mm. I enjoyed but, I enjoyed the first bit of it. I can't remember where you're going with this, though. I've, I saw it such a long There time is ago. an episode in the first season where Xander and a few classmates are possessed by hyena spirits. Huh. And there we get into this old legend, which I think is a legitimate legend from Africa, about how... You will hear your name called in the night, but it's hyenas mocking human language. <gasps> oh, that's cool. I like that. Future Mac here. I found a few sources that assert this to be an African legend, but couldn't find any actual citations for that. Please let me know if you find any. I'd love to know. However, 
This legend is described by our Roman friend Pliny the Elder, who says as follows in his chapter on the hyena. Many other wonderful things are also related of this animal, and strangest of all, that it imitates the human voice among the stalls of the shepherds, and while there, learns the name of some one of them, and then calls him away and devours him. That makes a lot of sense, though, especially with the animal depiction of the top. I think there might be a link there, assuming that that is... Because, again, I don't know what the age of that particular legend is, right. how long it's been around, where it comes from. That's fascinating. But that's just what this reminds me of. May I also note here that this is the only image so far where we've seen actual genitalia. I'm not sure that's what that is. I think that's a splotch trying to cover yeah. them up. It's just very, unfortunately, uterus-shaped. Yeah. I guess. What about the first one? That, maybe... I'm really unclear on whether that's an intentional depiction of genitalia or another strategic, like, splotching. I don't know. Could go either way. Yeah. Listeners, you let us know. Yeah. Tell us what you think. (laughs) (laughs) This is the most fascinating creature. It is. Right? So far. I kind of love them. The Donestra. Okay, what is next? Ah, then in the east, there are born people who are in growth 50 feet tall and 10 feet broad. They have great heads and ears like fans. One ear, they spread under themselves at night, and the other, they wrap themselves in. Practical. Very practical. These ears are very light, and their bodies are white as milk. And if they see any person in that land, then they take their ears in hand and flee far so quickly that it is thought that they are flying. Presumably because the ears look like wings. These sound like it's some sort of bird. (laughs) This is another time when I really like the contrast because, again, Knowles is kind of like it's a kind of misshapen guy with big ears, whereas Tiberius is is sashaying. This is fashion. Wait, it's Shrek. Knowles, yeah. Oh my gosh. He's got Shrek ears. And then the other guy, it reminds me of that, like, do your ears hang low? Do they wobble? Do they flow? Mm-hmm. Can you tie him in? Can you tie him in, Evo? And these people would say, yes. Yes, I can. I can do all of these things. For anyone who's not seeing these pictures, the Tiberius version is wearing his ears like a feather boa. Yes. yes. A very dramatic feather boa. This this guy's going on RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> he will be using his ears as part of his lip sync routine. Yes. All right. Absolutely. What else have we got? Uh, there is a certain island in which people are born whose eyes shine as bright as a great lantern was kindled in the dark of night. Just like the snakes. That's all we need to know about them. Here's a picture of Noel where their head is missing yes. because the manuscript's been damaged. Nice leggings, though. And here's a picture from Tiberius where I think the like fuzzy, smoky stuff is supposed to indicate that it's light around him. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's a little aura. Yeah. Oh, the blue, the blue. Like it's purple on the outside and there's a blue haze and then there's yellow around him. I think that's to indicate there's light. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fascinating. There's a certain island. There was built in the days of King Bella and Job a temple of wrought iron. And uh, Tiberius says brass and Noel says molten glass. So take your guess. This is kind of odd because these two words are similar in modern English, but not in old English. Oh, glass and brass? Yeah. Old English for glass is glass, but their word for brass is adin. Interesting. 
So looking at it from a modern English perspective, you can go like, oh, you just wrote the wrong letter. But no, old English doesn't work like that. It's a different word. Interesting. Yeah. This is also a point where the two manuscripts diverge, because Tiberius wants you to know that in that same place is east from there, another temple holy to the sun. There, an excellent and benevolent priest is seated, and he protects and cares for that building. Whereas Noel says about this same situation, at the sunrise is seated Quietus, who is the most gentle, calm, stable, unchanging, or silent, again, translation issue, of bishops. Who does not eat any food except... What do you think he eats? I just want to hear a guess. Some kind of plant. Oh, well, I was going to say like ambrosia or honey or like tears of the gods or something. Yeah, yeah. That would be the reasonable guess, but the answer is sea oysters. I mean, that's much more practical. <laughs> and he lives on them. Good Makes for him, sense. I guess. Yeah. So some kind of immortal saint who lives on sea oysters is on this island caring for a temple. Here is Noel's picture of him. Mm-hmm. You see he's in his temple. And here is Tiberius's, which this time I think is a little more questionable. He is large. Amazing. <laughs> yes, he looks like a giant. Well, that's just the perspective of how they drew these yeah. things. Yeah. I like the attempt at perspective here. You mean how the, how the walls are kind of cubist? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like him. I feel like resources, art supplies, probably were not cheap. (laughs) Probably. You get halfway through and you're like, I guess this is what we're doing now. I mean, parchment is expensive. It's not like you can... Yes. And there's only so many times you can scrape it clean Mm -hmm. before you just scrape it through. Mm -hmm. There is a golden vineyard at the rising of the sun, which has berries 150 feet across. Wow. Inside these berries are grown pearls and gemstones. Which makes them a choking hazard, I would say. (laughs) Yes, definitely. But also, I don't expect anyone to, like, grab one of these berries and just chomp into it. Then again, if we got, like, 20-foot tall people... True. This is true. Again, here is Noel's depiction of these berries, which is just a generic Seussian plant thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Tiberius's, which is also a Seussian plant, but it's on this frame that makes it look like... Yeah, a trellis. It looks like one you'd find in the vineyard. Yeah. Very nice. So they just have gemstones in them? Yeah. Grow your own gemstones. All right. There is another kingdom in the land of Babylon. There is the greatest mountain between the mountains of the Medes and those of Armenia. She is of all mountains largest and highest. There are born decent men who have for their kingdom and rule the Red Sea. There are born precious stones. Here are the decent men. I love their facial expressions. (laughs) What? The one in the middle looks like he's saying, aren't these drugs great? (laughs) He really does. (laughs) I feel like the the gentleman on the left and in the middle, they are just on one. And then the guy on the right is like, I had to work with these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I hate these guys. They come up to work. Hi, I can't deal with this anymore. (laughs) Wow. Very impressive. This is the less interesting picture from Tiberius. Those Seussian hills, though. Like, yeah, the Dr. Seuss. got those. Yeah. Around that place are women born, who have beards as far as their chests, and have horse hides to make their clothing. They are named the greatest huntresses, and rather than hounds, they have tigers and leopards, which they raise slash feed. Here's, a, here's Noel's version of that, by the way. I like the, like, horizontal quadruped and the giant peanut. <laughs> it's a giant peanut. <laughs> it's a giant peanut. <laughs> I like her dress. 
These are the keenest of beasts, the leopards, I assume, and they hunt all the types of wild beasts that are born on that mountain. Wow. Here's Tiberius's version of the bearded women, which honestly just looks like a guy because yeah. he, does, he doesn't include anything to indicate woman. That's true. That's this is. I feel like this is not the first time we've encountered bearded women. They're kind of a staple. They are. They are I a guess, bit of a staple. What? What about this person says woman? Or was he afraid to draw tits? I think he was afraid to draw. He tits. was definitely afraid to draw the tits. Yeah. Judging by the butts, I think Tiberius is not interested in. <laughs> I think his his preferences go the other way. Everybody can be interested in a good butt. This is true. Butts are universal, right? But all all of the butts were on men. This is and also there true. have been zero women. So yes. This is true. This is the first woman. I I mean honestly I I don't know I have so many questions about the bearded women because I mean bearded women are not like so uncommon. Mm-mm. Women yeah. have just learned hair removal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, women can grow facial hair. Yeah, I don't think quite as much, but no, but yeah, it's especially a thing. if women have some sort of hormonal imbalance yeah. or have like PCOS mm-hmm. that causes them to grow hair on their faces. Like, it's not that uncommon. No, but it's fascinating to me that this is a specific people group. Yes, is PCOS genetic or because we see it spotted around? It's not like it's... one group of people necessarily. No, it's not. I want to say it can be. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, I think, here's the thing. Gynecology (laughs) has not had the resources and time put into it as a lot of other medical fields. What? Are you saying that patriarchy even affects medical priorities? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... I mean, there are things that we didn't figure out until shockingly recently. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't obstetricians only decide babies felt pain like 30 years ago? Oh, gosh. I don't know, but that sounds right, That's honestly. very depressing. Like, we didn't get pap smears until, like, the 60s or 70s, I want to say. And tampons were first used for bullets in World War One, and then women were like, hey, these would also fit somewhere else. Yeah. Like, hey, guys, I feel like I maybe have a use for something that absorbs blood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can I have these? Can I borrow some of these? So, I mean, I think we don't, frankly, like, we don't know that much about PCOS. I have PCOS. And even my doctor is like, well, I mean, it could be a lot of things. Like, mm-hmm. we basically just say any woman with an irregular period has PCOS. Yeah. <laughs> Which. It's very, very broad. Is very broad. That sounds exactly like the kind of diagnostic criteria they would use in the medieval era. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's true. Except it's 2021. (laughs) So, I mean, I suspect there's probably some genetic component, but I don't know. But doctors don't know. Yeah, that's fair. We gotta do a lot more research on that. Yeah. I'm sure that this is why bearded women are like a staple in a lot of these texts is that they're real. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's just not what people think of as the norm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, statistically, it's also a smaller likelihood. So people are are more inclined to be like, huh, what's that? But I mean, you know, women have made it work for them. Yeah. For hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. You know, I, of the wildest things freak shows can give and like the illusions freak shows can provide for people bearded women were actually pretty legit Mm -hmm. also tattooed women 
That was also an oddity. Yeah, because like, come on, you got you got tattoos. Like I, 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 I feel like the the main reason those are even entries in freak shows is just because like you can just hire someone. Like yeah. You've got tattoos. Come come hang out here. We'll pay you to exist. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, but we've got these bearded women who are apparently really good with their lions. Yeah. I also like that apparently neither of the artists has any idea what a lion or a leopard is supposed to look yeah. like, and so they just draw them as dogs. Yes. They're cute, though. They're cute. Also, I don't think our first artist knows what a woman looks like. No. <laughs> like, no, I'm not, I've got no idea what's face. going on there. It's like, hmm... <laughs> but I feel like this supports our earlier theory, so. Yes. Yeah. But we're also about to learn some more, some different things about Tiberius's woman drawing habits because there are Whoa. other women. Whoa. In the medieval Who period? have boar's tusks and hair as far as their heels and oxtails on their loins. Dope. These women are 30 feet tall and their skins are the whiteness of marble and they have camel's feet and ass's teeth. These do not sound like women. <laughs> no, they sound wait. like orcs. Here's Noel's version. They do sound a bit a like bit orcs. A bit like orcs. Tiberius's version, I'm going to go ahead and say, is kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> that booty, though. This is true. He did include the booty. Although still no Well, he covered up the in this one. Yeah. Modest. Yeah. Modesty. The tail's in a weird place. A bit. I think he just couldn't figure out where to put a tail on a person. Yeah, that's true. He's like, I really want to showcase this dump truck. <laughs> what do I do with this tail? We'll I don't throw know. It, on it there. can come out of a cheek. There yeah, like go. instead of coming up out above the butt, it's just like right. halfway down one cheek. Yeah. I'm also really digging these cloven feet. Yeah, right? It's like a... These hooves. This is a good look. Isn't this how Huldra are described? There's some similarities, yeah. Do Huldra Camel's have... Camel's feet, oxtails? Yeah, Huldra have hollow backs and tails. There's also mm-hmm. a form of a... Where it's like a, a woman on the top, and then they have oxtails, and they have the cloven feet. And it's not a... It's not a satyr, but it's... What is it? Is it just a female satyr? I'm honestly not sure. Satyress? A fawn, maybe? They are in Greek myths. So they, they do exist. Well, they exist in the mythos that previously existed outside of this text, yeah. I should say. Also, we're going to talk about them a little more because we're about to get some problematic patriarchy. Oh boy, let's go. Yeah. So these women, for their greatness, they were slain by the great Macedonian Alexander. When he could not take them alive, he killed them because they were shameful in body and unworthy. Or they were too hot and he got scared. Presumably we're not talking about, like, a genocide because this paragraph started in the present tense. But, like, Alexander encountered a group of them and he was like, I want to take them home. And then he couldn't and then he killed them all and was like, f*** that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense in terms of how Alexander behaved with people groups that did not want to be conquered. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it just makes a lot of sense in the way a lot of men behave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? There is, I mean, there are, like... So many accounts of dudes on Tinder being like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. Let me come over and have sex with you. And then as soon as they're told no, they're like, whatever, you're fat anyway. This is true. You're ugly. So I see it. Makes sense. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like Alexander and these uh, oxtailed women is just that, but in the ancient world on a larger scale. Checks out. Ye old Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, girl, I like your... uh... Oxtail. Those cloven (laughs) hooves, you know? Just really into it. Yeah. By the sea is a sort of wild beast. They are called 
Katini, or possibly Katinos. They are very beautiful beasts. That's all we know about them. And there are men who live on raw flesh and honey. Now, is that a man? That's that's the man who lives on raw flesh and honey, I think. <laughs> These noses! <laughs> Truly, they have given up on noses. <laughs> we have. He also doesn't really have a neck. And here, here is Tiberius's version, which is much more clear about the fact that he is eating raw flesh and honey because he is cutting meat off of a deer and eating it, and he has a bowl of honey next to him. I like honey jars. That's really impressive. Yeah. Is there any indication that the raw flesh is animal flesh? There is not. Because it makes me think of, you know, the old mellified man. Ooh, that's yeah, Ooh. maybe that's where that came from. Which, this is kind of tangential, but if you haven't heard it... I'm sure some of our readers haven't, so... There is a song called Sweet Bod by an artist named Lemon Demon, which oh, is... Oh, I love Lemon Demon. ...about Mellified Man, and it is Chef's Kiss. <laughs> so good. But, th- but the idea is, behind the Mellified Man, you feed someone honey... Only honey until they start pooping honey, peeing honey. All They're just 100% honey. They die because you can't live like that. You bury them in honey. And then, you know, so many years later, you dig that up and you eat it like a medicine. Yeah. I was hoping you'd explain it because I know that at least one person has been going, like, what is a mellified man? Yeah, that person would be me. <laughs> but there's a song about it sort of like romanticizing. It, like, it sounds like a sexy song, but then halfway through you're like, oh, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Very dramatic. And I just have to say this because I always have to say this and it's funny. Lemon Demon his wife, Ming Doyle, who is a comic book artist, he has said in interviews that when he started writing this song, his wife said, can you please put in a part that's like saying this isn't a sex thing? (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear. And he was like, yeah, 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 I'll put that in. And he did. But when you say it's not a sex thing, it seems more like a sex thing. Right. Oh, boy. I assume that what he put in, because I haven't heard this song, is literally just the words, this isn't a sex thing at it's, some it, point. It's like, this isn't sexual. It's <laughs> <laughs> not Clearly so professional. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's very great. It's, it's so funny. That's wild. Okay, so. <laughs> so all that. Maybe that's where this comes from. Impressive. Moving on, in the left-hand part of the kingdom, because that's how you do geography, (laughs) where the Katino beasts are, there are hospitable men, kings. Oh, by the way, here are some Katinos over the kings. I assume that's what that is. Ah, yes. They have under them manifold tyrants. Their boundaries are near the sea. From there, from the left-hand side, there are many kings. And here's another picture of many kings. Too many kings. So many kings. Too many kings. This race of people lives many years and are beneficent people. And here's some more problematic patriarchy. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite. We need a jingle. (laughs) We do. If anyone comes to them, then they give him a woman before they let him go on his way. Here is a picture that was clearly formerly someone handing off a woman like a sack of grain. (laughs) But we're missing the top, so it's no longer quite so clear. Wow. And then... Here's Tiberius's version, which looks just kind of disturbing. Yeah, it really does. 
Because there's a bunch of guys, and they're clearly just, like, shoving this woman forward, like, take her. This <gasps> isn't funny, but it the image is funny. It's just like, well, here you go. Here's your woman. Oh, my gosh. You can go on your way. It's one of those things where, conceptually, it's so absurd you want to laugh. Yes. Mm-hmm. But also, like, I fully believe women were treated like property to some oh, extent. Yeah. And to compound this, oh, no. the Macedonian Alexander, when he came to them, was then wondering at their humanity, nor did he wish to kill them, nor do them a whit of harm. Yeah, because that's what it is to be human. Oh my gosh. Okay, can we just say that for the record, Alexander was not that into women? No, he was definitely gay, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, or at least, at least he went both ways, at minimum. And mm-hmm. this is not one of those things where it's like, oh, well, why do people always want to make historical figures queer? It's like, no, 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 Alexander was it, definitely... Definitely engaging yeah. in gay sex. It just is what it is. Yeah. No judgment, but yeah, no, no. Oh wow. Anyway, that's all we get about these uh, people who give away women. Ooh. You know what? I don't want to know anything else about them anyway. There's a sort of tree. On that, the most valuable stones are born, and it is from there that they grow. Egg. Yep. This seems like those berries again. Yeah. It does, but we don't get to know if it's the same place because we're moving on again. There is a race of people. They are colored black in countenance, and these people uh, are called, or Noel calls them Sigilwara, and Tiberius calls them Silhiarwan, and a certain J.R.R. Tolkien has something to say about this. Uh, oh boy. See, the Latin text just says Ethiopians. Okay. But Tolkien wrote a two-part article on this in the uh, journal Medium Avum, or Middle Ages, mm-hmm. where he notes that the original Old English word appears to be Sigilhiarwan. But his ultimate conclusion is basically, to find out. Great. <laughs> oh, Tolkien. It really took the, the two-part article <laughs> to get to the bottom of that. Well, because he, he had to, he like investigated every possible way to interpret that yeah. and, and ended it with like, I don't That's know. That's a lot like Unferth in Beowulf. Unferth's yeah. name is still not really that well known what it means. The later form, Sigurwara, that is the version that we get in Noel, Tolkien seems to consider this an attempt on the part of scribes to make sense of a word they no longer understood. Mm. And Sigurwara can be literally translated to mean sun dwellers. Interesting. That would make sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Tolkien's conclusion is as follows. Siegel may be taken as a symbol of the intricate blending of the Latin and Northern which makes the study of Old English peculiarly interesting and controversial. Hiarwa, of that large part of ancient English language and lore, which has now vanished beyond recall, Swahit Nobara, or to use modern English, unlike Tolkien, as if it never were. Ah. So he's like, okay, they forgot the other part of this, and so they turned it into sun dwellers. Ziegel can mean sun or gym. Hmm, makes sense. Anyway, that's all we have to say about them. They're dark. They're called Sigilwara. Yes. And that's actually where the Noel Codex ends. Ah, okay. But the Tiberius version goes on a little bit longer. Saint wants you to know there's a certain land where vineyards grow the most, and there are the best of elephant bones attained, i.e. ivory. And here's a picture of that land. Oh, no, wait. These are the, I think these are the, the Sigilwara. Yes, that's right. We have them first. Yes. And, oh, Tiberius also has has them, although they apparently have not received their sunburn yet because they're very uh, they're pale and they look pale. Irish. Yeah. But there, I mean, there would be a lot of really problematic ways to depict that. And there, it's mm. not that yeah. bad in this text. 
No, no, he's he he's literally just drawing people. Yeah, yeah, which is probably the best way to go. Mm-hmm. And then we have the land. Yeah, this is the vineyard. Wild. That is so cool. This is sort of a lovely, like, ornate trellis situation. Mm -hmm. There is a certain mountain, which is called Adamans. On that mountain, there's a type of bird that is called Griffus. These birds have four feet and the tails of cattle and the heads of eagles. Yeah, we know this one. And here is our griffin. We know that guy. It's a griffin! In that same place is another kind of bird called the phoenix. (gasps) They have combs on their heads like peacocks, and their nest is wrought of the most valuable spice, which people call, as Zoe already pointed out, cinnamon. Hey! Oh my gosh! And here he is. That's awesome. The nest wrought of cinnamon looks like a bowl. It does look like a bowl. I like how peacocky he looks. I've never seen yeah. a blue yeah. phoenix. We always make them so orangey. Right. But this is beautiful. Yeah. This is a beautiful take on a phoenix. Yeah. And of his feathers, after a thousand years, he lights them on fire. And then young afterwards, arise up from the embers. Aw, I love the phoenix myth. Me too. And here is the last sentence of the Tiberius version, which does not have an illustration to go with it. There is another mountain where there are black people. And no other person may travel to those people because all of the mountain is aflame. See, he could have stopped before that. Yeah. That's still a fascinating addition. Like that that sounds like it's talking about a volcano. Yeah. Yeah. But like that's what I was talking about earlier. It's like it's interesting that there are people with other colors of skin. We don't have anything to say about them. I wonder if their skin is dark because they're on fire. Fire. Literally on fire. Highly impressive. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Wow. Wow. Well, there you go. I love this format of just, here's a thing, there's a thing. Right? Another thing is over here. Like, we don't get tons of information about anything. Manuscript maps. Turn south from Babylon. (laughs) That would have been helpful if there were directions at any point instead of just distances. Yes. Yeah. Like, it never says 100 leagues south. It just says 100 leagues away. Yeah. I mean, my favorite is on the left hand side. <laughs> right. Because that's that's how you do geography, right? Yeah. Your destination is on the left hand side of Babylon. Like, thank you for that, Siri. <laughs> and we're going to end part two here. The segments will be in a follow up episode. Thank you for listening to The Maniculum. Please consider leaving a rating and review in Apple Podcasts to help support the project. For more geeky additions or to see our sources and notes, check out our blog, Marginalia, at themaniculumpodcast.com. You can also join our Facebook group, The Maniculum Podcast, to join in on discussions about all things medieval. And feel free to reach out. We're on Twitter, at Maniculum, and on Instagram, at Maniculum Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And special thanks to Sandra Boyle, who created the music for our show. You can check out her project, Sugar Glass, on Spotify. Okay, we had our pet corner. (laughs) Yes. That was great. I uh, talked about when Delilah ran into the wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Ginny, Ginny still like points to the wall and is like, "That's where Delilah ran into the wall." Sweet Delilah, <laughs> she didn't know. I'm still not sure she noticed. Oh, it's amazing. No. We are we are so blessed to have dogs. Okay, where were we? <laughs> <laughs>